0: All right. Welcome to Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome this evening's moderator, MTV's Josh Horowitz.
1: Uh, Thank you all for coming out this evening. Uh, We're here to talk about a very funny new film that's actually out in theaters right now. It's at IFC Center here in New York. It's available on iTunes right now. But we're gonna give you a little taste of it right here now with the trailer, and after that we're gonna bring out uh, the incredibly charming and talented Jason Schwartzman and the very talented writer and director of Seven Chinese Brothers, Bob Byington. But first, here's the trailer for their great new film. Check it out.
2: You literally sleep all day. You know, it's not good for you to get this much sleep. Open them, open them. Larry, did you happen to notice that we had some video surveillance equipment installed? Okay. I don't know. You're fired.
0: Why are you alone for Christ's oh, sake? Oh God. Okay. Nice meeting you. Who's gonna dial 911 when you're gasping
2: for air? I'm teaching the dog how to do it.
0: <coughs> I'm off in 20
2: if you want to go clubbing. This is my imitation of a person from the South hearing a story that they like. Tell me about last night. I went to Jim's last night. Shut because, up. But no. The door is locked. No. It's supposed to be a surprise party. So no, I, shut I, up. So I checked my phone shut to see up, if I go was Shut up. Go away. Late. Go away. Did you key my car? Yeah, I did. Never a good idea, keying someone's car. I feel like this is a new low. That sign says now hiring. So listen, are you hiring?
0: Um, Yes. I'm going to just need you to sign here. All right.
2: This pen doesn't work. Has anyone ever gotten fired on the first day? You'll be running this place in no time, Lawrence. One second, my stocks are crashing. You know how to do this by now, right, Larry? I think so. Oh, boy. Usually, I don't like my work. I tend not to, but I like my boss, so that makes it a place that I look forward to going to, which I've never had before, really. Like what's this? Uh,
1: uh, wait,
2: that's fat kid getting out of a pool. I'm gonna try to be a uh, good or better person. Are you awake? I'm sorry I'm critical. I'm too critical, I'm hard on you. Did you know that if you're high-fiving somebody, if you look at their elbows, you will never miss with your hand? Focus on my elbow. What?
1: So there is just a little taste of Seven Chinese Brothers. Without any further ado, we're going to bring out the star and the writer-director of Seven Chinese Brothers. Give it up for Jason Schwartzman and Bob Byington. Hi.
2: Hey. Hello. Thank you, sir. Hello. Wow. Hello. So nice. Thanks for coming.
1: Congratulations on this movie, guys. Thank this you. is a, a very funny, uh, a great film that has uh, has just opened. As I said, you can get out of here after we hear this wonderful uh, conversation and go check it out immediately if you'd like. Um, you guys met, I believe, at q and A. Q&A. Yes, so this is we like did. this is like a nice. This is come full circle, guys. This is how it all yeah. began.
0: But Jason moderated the Q and A that we met at, and um, so I kind of missed that, like that side of him.
2: Do you want to take over? See
0: him moderate. He's very good at it.
2: Not true, <laughs> but we met. He had a his previous film was called Somebody Up There Likes Me, right? And uh, I moderated a Q and A with he and Nick Offerman, um, which is how we met. And that was very intimidating, because because um, Nick is intimidating. Because well, Nick is intimidating, and also Bob made a great movie, so I was excited to talk to them, and that's how we met.
1: Yeah. So th- this uh, I'm fascinated in a number of respects. Reading on the background of this film, first of all. Um, Bob, this film kind of came as a reaction to another film that probably not a lot of people even remember. The so I do, I happen to remember this. Ah. Uh, it was, well, yeah. What was your the, experience? My you experience what? with Hearts in Atlantis. Yeah. I don't have very, especially fond memories. It was fine in the time, I guess. Yeah. It's been a while. It was an Anthony
0: Hopkins movie, I think, based on a, it was like a Stephen King mm. story. And I think if I saw it again, it would be fine. But for some reason, I didn't like it. And the script for this was kind of a letter. In response. That sorry. was the movie.
2: Wow. I've been uh, wondering what it's been for all this time. Yeah, we
0: try not I mean we try not to talk about it, but Josh, it's well, too late now. <laughs> I didn't mean to I thought it was public record. I'm sorry, Bob. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> this is more public than the last public record of it. <laughs> so what were you so what were you <laughs> So you saw that movie and felt Yeah, exactly. What well how did that happen? I just I felt like sometimes you see a movie and you're like that movie's not very good. I know I could make a movie better than that. I think we've all felt that way and I just kind of took it to the more logical extreme. Right. So what's the a lot of
1: people have uh, you probably get this question a lot about the title of the film which having seen the film there's not necessarily a direct connection that I at least picked up on. Why the title? Now Jason has
0: a funny story where he was reading the script and he kind of was looking, kept thinking maybe there's. It got to the end and there were no.
2: There was nothing Chinese or the number seven or any brothers. Right. (laughs) Um, And um, yeah, but it's called Seven Chinese Brothers. And I remember like when Bob called me, he said, "I'm gonna send you this movie and maybe we, we could work on it to Seven Chinese Brothers." And I thought, Seven Chinese, okay, here we go yeah what does that and, conjure uh, up when you hear I, that title what is i don't that? know it conjured up a lot it conjured up um possibility uh and there still was there still is and was possibility bob but just it was a different i had a different i don't know what it was going to be and um you know and bob you know just said you read it and you get to the end and there is no mention of the, that and um i started to think maybe Bob is testing me, and maybe Seven Chinese Brothers isn't actually the real name of this movie. He's just put it out here uh, on the, he's just named it this as a test, so that when I sit down with him, if I open with what does Seven Chinese Brothers mean, then I'm not meant to be in the movie, because if I have to ask, I'm not ready to act. Is,
0: is this what you had in mind, Bob? This Not in the least, and you know, <laughs> uh, movies are always falling apart uh, before you can make them, and so you really don't want to add unnecessary variables you know, to the equation. You wouldn't intentionally confuse an actor uh, either before you make a movie or during, um, I think, or after. Um, so I was slightly mortified to learn that we had done anything to, you know, to make Jason question the process.
2: Oh, I wasn't questioning it. I felt that I felt he was stimulated. He was excited. I was stimulated, and on
0: my toe, I was nervous. And on for our part, we were terrified that we would lose him. So we were. That's ridiculous. Well, I'm speaking from my position. You'll never lose
2: me, baby.
1: So, from a practical standpoint, was there any serious discussion of a more
0: literal name for the project?
1: Yeah,
2: we
0: had uh, literal discussions about literal titles, and uh, we just ended up circling back to this one.
2: But you know what's funny, like with song titles, like there are song titles where the name of the song is the chorus. um, And then there are other ones where it's never mentioned at all. Um, Examples. Examples? Uh, (laughs) uh, Well, Imagine would be one, and Smells Like Teen Spirit would be another one. I I see. I knew
0: you could do it. That's why I said it Put him on the spot, and he rose to the occasion. I knew he could Um, do it. He's got an amazing brain. That's not
2: true, <laughs> but um, no. So yeah, I mean that would be an example. Right. But it smells like teen spirit—it's become something else. And so um, I'm not equivocating our movie to those things, but I'm just saying that sometimes, like a title, doesn't have to be something so literal. It can actually, you know, it, it can be something that's a feeling that the writer had, or it was something that the writer was, in, you know, interested in. Like it has some kind of meaning to Bob in, in a way, and um, you know. It's, it, ha, it has now its own meaning to me. Like when I see Seven Chines Brothers, it means something to me. Sure.
1: Does, does, the, does the character that you play in this, did it read as, I mean, you are a naturally affable, likable performer. You bring a lot. We did it. We did it. Okay. <laughs> and that comes through in, in a lot of your roles, most of your roles. Did that read on the page for this guy? Because this character, I think, objectively speaking, could be seen as not necessarily a typical Protagonist, the typical guy you follow mm-hmm. on a turn. He's almost like I feel like the peripheral guy, the, the other guy mm-hmm. in another mm-hmm. movie. Interesting, yeah. What did you What did you read him as on your first reading of Larry?
2: Well, whenever I read something for the first time, I'm just like i trying to absorb what it is as a movie and or as an experience, um, and not even really thinking about the character too much. Um, It's almost like a side. I'm just more interested in what would it be like to watch this and and, um, and, and meet these people. And um, Larry is an interesting character, the character that I play. I I don't want to say too much unless you want, but um, he's a guy that doesn't really have on the surface a lot of goals. Um, He drifts from job to job. Actually, he gets fired from job to job um, and is in a little bit of a fog and by all intents and purposes, he seems like a real, you know, someone who's just not motivated. Right. But he's an odd character because he's also not, doesn't seem overtly sad about his situation. Like, um, uh, I've seen, you know, s- uh, similar types of movies which I think are great, um, which I'm not gonna name, <laughs> um, but movies where a character is down on his luck and feels down on his luck all the time and it's right. like a big thing. Whereas I feel like what I liked about this script was that it's we don't it's not making big deals about um, about about his situation, and, uh, and very unfortunate things happen to him throughout the movie. And other movies I think would make it they would make that the whole movie, but they are just like uh, Larry's just letting them go like someone would untie a rope from a boat and just put it in the water and let the boat go.
1: Right. Um, you, you, <laughs> you've assembled uh, uh, an amazing cast for this film. I want to show off one of your co-stars in this first clip. Yeah, this is uh, Jason and the amazing Olympia Dukakis. Amazing. Yeah, right. Olympia Dukakis. Let's check out this first clip.
2: Miss, Mr. Trebek.
0: Four letters. Uh, four, four, yeah, four spaces. Two,
2: Who is Alex Trebek?
0: Alex. Crimson Tide. What's a Crimson Tide nickname? Crimson Tide
2: nickname is, uh... You don't know. What are you drinking? This is just my drink. Let me have some. No. Why not? Because it's my drink. Yeah, yeah, you got booze in there. No. You got booze in there. Can I have it, please? Tequila. Look at the cat with its tail up. You know what that means? You want to f or you want to fight? All right. I'm not sure I'll ever be able to use that information, but thank you. Why are you alone,
0: for Christ's oh, sake? Oh, God. I mean, who's going to dial 911 when you're laid out and, and gasping for air?
2: I'm teaching the dog how to do it, actually.
0: No one is laughing.
1: Jason just made an amazing uh, observation. I never noticed that before, either. What's the, what did you
2: notice, notice in that clip? Well, I was just noticing now that we have the same haircut, <laughs> um, Olympia and I.
1: Well, you're related. Yeah, I mean,
2: she's my grandmother <laughs> uh, in the film, but I never realized it until right. this angle, I guess. <laughs> I, seeing it from this angle, I see that we have the exact same haircut. And you, Jason, kind
0: of showed up in Austin like, uh, like a, whatever Michelangelo, Michael, there was a block of marble when he right. showed up, <laughs> and we we found Larry in there um, Larry, from yeah. this uh, from this block of marble. All right. What, what does it
1: do to you? Because most of the the film, you're you're, you're in like a Buca de Beppo or a Quick yeah. Lube kind of. Uh, that's the other place that he ends up working yeah. at. Um, outfit does that that must inform. Oh yeah, actor a bit. absolutely.
2: Well, I don't know if anyone here is an actor, but you know, the clothing can really be so helpful. And uh, I play this guy, you know, he gets fired from one place, he goes to another place, all sort of within the same kind of strip mall area. And um, actually all that changes in my entire outfit, the whole movie is the patch that I wear. Everything else looks identical. And, um, but I liked wearing the the clothes and the shoes more than anything were the, they were really heavy. And uh, we ordered these shoes that would be kind of shoes that if you drop something on them you would not steel toe but a different but a version of steel toe right Um, and I do remember every time I would put them on they slowed down the way I moved and I think that became an important thing because this character not to take this to a heavy place but he has a um, light addiction to um, downer medication and alcohol at the same time and he moves slowly and that is part of this character. is He is in a fog, a chemically induced fog, yeah. and it's not pro that it's sort of just displaying it. And um, so I think that the output actually, no joke, made me move more slowly.
1: Bob, I'm curious about your approach to casting something like this outside of Jason, because you've assembled an interesting cast that's, you know, we just saw Olympia Kakas, who's obviously sort of, you know, like a an institution in and of herself. Yes. But then you have musicians, you have someone like Tunde who's done some acting but is more well known in, for his music. Uh, you have other independent filmmakers who have done some acting. What was what was like kind of the
0: the idea behind your approach to casting, this or or anything in general? Uh that's a good question. I tend to gravitate toward musicians for some reason. Uh, and Jason is a musician and I like their energy and their poise. I think if you have too many actors in the movie you get like a one type of energy that can be um, uh, too actorly for lack of a better description. And if you, if you have a, throw in a couple of musicians you get a kind of different vibe. Hmm. And, uh, and I kind of thought Jason was a musician. He's not. He's an actor. First, um, like when he shows up to be in a movie, he's an actor Correct. right um, but I, I told his wife I thought he was a musician, and then I started to work with him and realized that he was a very nimble uh, nimble actor. Um, we're going to
1: take when some was questions my wife <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take some questions in a bit, but we do have two more clips that I think represent the film very well. they're both very funny, so uh, yeah, this have. next one, I think takes place in the aforementioned quick lube, the very well-named quick lube, congrats on that. Thank you. Um, Let's take a look (laughs) at this one.
2: How you doing? How's that gum?
0: Hey, Larry, how's it going?
2: Great. They mostly have me on the vacuuming right now, but they're showing me how to do some of the other things. Um, you want one of these? Oops.
0: No, thank you. Uh, we normally have employees take their break in the employee break area, which is... Sorry. Jimmy should have mentioned
2: it. You know what, I think he did. Look, what's this?
0: Uh,
2: uh, That's great. Uh, 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 Wait. That's fat kid getting out of a pool. This is the employee break room. Wow. What's down there? um oh that's jimmy's he's in anger counseling okay now if this were me and we did this the first thing i would do is take all the ceilings out get some height back in the room then this has been done to death the exposed fuse box so i would you know what i would do nowadays you this was put in what 10 years ago the new things are this big
0: that's what i would do
1: I think one thing that strikes me in watching that clip and in seeing the entire film, which is striking, is that it's not an improvised film. Maybe there's a little bit. From what I read, it's really, you're sticking pretty much to the script, and it really, it feels very naturalistic. It feels very loose, and that's, I think, to the credit of your actors and the script and the direction. This guy. Well, talk to me. How do you achieve that? I mean, does that come from getting the right people in place? Does it come wow. from going through a lot of iterations of the script or I mean, what? I
0: could walk you through every bit in the movie and, and there it tends to be different things that either we're coming up with on the spot or we had scripted them and worked with them. But Jason came in a couple of weeks before we started shooting so we were able to get a kind of feel for what he was gonna do and we both like uh, absurd humor. We're both attracted to dumb jokes. Um, and he was really willing, Jason was really willing to, to be kind of goofy and stupid as the character and we just kind of went with it um, and decided that was the movie we were going to make. And that was not on the page really. Um, he was a little bit more circumspect on the page and um, I think the humor really helped kind of bring the character alive a little. Uh, Jason also played Larry a little bit more um, aggressive than he was on the page, so there's like a a couple bully characters in the movie and and Larry's a little bit more assertive toward them than he was in the the script.
1: It's interesting, I mean, I don't know if any folks out here have checked out uh, Listen Up Philip, which was a great piece of work Thank that you me. had last year. I mean, the, those, those came kind of back to back, I yeah. think, right? Which, yeah, Which is interesting. They kind of make an interesting yeah. double bill of character studies of two kind of aimless or at a crossroads kind of people that, are, that are, have a much different kind of yeah. um, essence to them. But did you see a connection to the two of them? Yeah,
2: well, they, they're very much linked in my life. I mean, they have... Um, they came into my life at a very similar time. I uh, I received the script of Listen Up Philip right around the same time that I met Bob for the Q&A that I did with him. And, and he is in um, Alex Ross Perry, who made Listen Up Philip's right. previous film. They knew each other. Uh, Alex is in this movie. Um, uh, similar producers, um, uh, these movies. Um, um, and in a way, I feel like when I was making Listen to Philip, I knew I was going to be doing this. And they informed each other in a, in a strange sense. Because that's a very a script with a lot of words and a lot of talking. And this one, um, I knew just sort of based on the screenplay and Bob's work was going to be something with a lot more space and air. And in a way, it, it was kind of nice to know that I could be extreme. And one th- you know, I've never had that opportunity to feel like I knew what I was going to do next. Typically in my life I've worked and then it ends and then there's a beginning process of looking to find something else as you have probably heard a lot of actors say that you think it's the last time you're ever going to work and it's a true feeling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's one uh, co-star we have not discussed yet. Yes. And- this co-star has dominated a lot of the conversation about this film. I don't know how you guys feel about this because yeah. it's—it's it's always it sucks, is what when it is. sucks when one actor yeah, gonna yeah. takes all the air out of the room. It's all right. Um, but also in this film is uh, is Arrow Schwartzman, yeah, uh, who is yeah. Jason's
2: yep. dog. He's my dog. Jason's dog. He's my dog um, in real life and in the movie. And
0: um, are we gonna show a clip?
2: We'll show you. I'll, a clip. Let's show the clip and then right, talk, we'll about, talk about it. Yeah, yeah, okay, this clip. is Arrow. Let's go. Come on. Fight it. Fight it. Open them. Open them. I mean, you slept all day yesterday and all night. And you did that the day before and the day before and the day before. You literally sleep all day. You know, it's not good for you to get this much sleep. That was my, uh, that's my dog, and um, he's amazing.
1: It's an excellent performance, a debut yeah, performance it's as a, far as it's I know, a, right? It is
2: a debut, he made maybe one cameo in something a long time ago for a second, but he's never acted uh, at all as a, like, a character in a movie, no. So,
1: Bob, was this something you willingly accepted as an inevitable oh, yeah.
0: prospect, or was this a... We were looking for dogs, and I met Jason's dog, and he got the part the moment I met him, um, had a real quality that um, he really did kind of um, shoulder into a more prominent role in the film than we might have anticipated.
1: Is there a difference between you, because you've worked with I I assume some quote unquote professional animals Uh over the years, is there a difference between a pro animal and an amateur like like Arrow is?
2: An amateur animal? Yeah. Yeah. There is. There is a, a real difference. There's, there's a million. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, I mean, there's a million differences between Arrow and all other dogs that I've met, which is that Arrow has a real low energy level. Right. Uh, unbelievably so. Um, he doesn't like to move around a lot. He's very lethargic. So it's unlike most just like dogs, but a and I've had great experiences working with animals before in, in movies and, and things, but uh, you know, there's a there's a set of rules that are obeyed. We didn't break any of these rules, but there's a, a dog handler, a trainer, someone who's there like standing off, you know, like off camera with a little treat. Marsha, be still, Marsha, <laughs> Marsha. And, and, and the dog is not keyed into the scene, the dog is just like, Usually, I mean, that's my experience sometimes, but I love these people. I love animals and movies. Um, but That's been sometimes my experience. And, and that's fine. But in our movie, it was, you know, Bob and we had like intended to do it in a bit more free-flowing way. And I don't think that, you know, just multiple takes and not cutting, letting the camera go, starting again, and having a kind of spontaneity with the way we were gonna do it, which sort of like, you know, we would do one scene, let's say by a bridge, and then we'd be walking to do another scene in a field, but on the way to the field, we'd see another area. We'd say, let's try the scene by the bridge here. Right. Just kind of being flexible in that way. And you can't really do that unless everybody is game for that, uh, animals included. And, um, and so Arrow, you know, it, it, was, it was behooved us because he was my animal and he wants to be near me. And he doesn't care about the treat off-camera. He doesn't care about the trainer. He just wants to hang out. Um, and it affected the way we made the movie because typically when you have an animal in a movie, you, like Bob and I, would block the scene like this. And we'd say, this is how the scene will be. Let's bring in the animal. And they bring in the animal and try to fit it into what you right. figured out. But we actually did it in the reverse way, which is that we would walk in there and we would stand in this apartment where a lot of the movie with him takes place. We would watch Arrow walk in look around, say hi to people, um, and then you know, after about five or ten minutes when he realizes nothing's really going to be changing um, in the room, he <laughs> falls asleep, he goes to bed, and then wherever he goes to bed, we say, this is where the scene will take place, and then we set up the cameras, and that's how we do it, and also in the movie, my character rambles a lot, like I'm doing now, um, he rambles a lot to, uh, to his dog, and just kind of has these long monologues. And we wouldn't have been able to do that with a normal dog, because a normal dog also has energy and won't sit still for very long. And Arrow literally would just sit there and listen to me talk, <laughs> or anybody. So um, it really affected the way we made the movie.
1: I think, Isn't that also how Daniel Day-Lewis works? He just walks into a room and he just finds a spot, it plops down. Is that right? And then just, they put the cameras around him. I don't know. I don't know. No. I don't know. That <laughs> no. it sounds true. Man, I, did, I did notice that Arrow has an IMDB page I don't know if you're responsible for that But congratulations, that Thanks. must be tough What's on there? This, that's it Really? Yeah
2: His middle name is on there
1: Oh, I, I didn't notice I it. don't know, that's it
2: Joel Is that true? That's his middle name
1: Okay, fun fact um, <laughs> We have questions from the audience for Jason and
2: Bob How did you get idea uh, of the story to, to write it?
0: Uh, how did I get the idea? The um, I saw Norwood and Larry sitting together. Um, they were sitting on a curb together. Uh, Norwood had just gotten off work. He was wearing scrubs. They were uh, they had Nicorette together. They were chewing Nicorette to get high. And uh, the movie was about their friendship. And I just wrote that. I wrote. I mean, I wrote that movie.
2: I think. That's my character and Tunde's character.
0: I, um, I have a question. I'm into film and stuff, so I was wondering for the both of you, um, what are some films that have inspired you to become actors and directors and
2: all that stuff? <laughs> Act- movies that have inspired us? Yeah. Uh, there's three
0: big movies for me that I like talking about at Q&As when people ask me what movies I like. Um, there's a German film from the mid-70s called Strozik that I'm a big fan of that was a huge movie for me. Uh, there's a movie made by a filmmaker named Amir Kusterich called Time of the Gypsies um, that is my favorite film. And then Wong Kar-Wai made a movie in the early 90s called uh, Days of Being Wild and those are three big movies for me. Wow. Your move, Schwartzman. <laughs> yeah.
2: Not bad. You mentioned like uh, an uh, Ernest Goes to Camp movie now, I, you're to totally ba- bomb. I know, I do love Ernest <laughs> Goes to Camp. I do. You hear me, Vern? Um, but um, I, well, I don't know about influence influenced me to be an actor or director, but I mean, I can just tell you movies that I think are, that I really like. Uh, I like this movie, A New Leaf. Um, by um, Elaine May. It stars Walter Matthau and Elaine May. Oh, we watched that movie watched and it helped movie. us a yeah. lot. Yeah. Jason so this, made us watch that. It's a great one. I love um, Three Amigos. And I love... Um, let's see, what else do I, I... love. There's a documentary I love called Heartworn Highways. It's a country music documentary. It's really great. So I encourage you to see those. Um, I have a question for you. So I apologize, I have not seen your entire canon of work, but you, I think it's safe to say that you have a pretty established character. But I'm just wondering for you as an actor, if you ever feel anxious in those roles, if you want opportunities to try completely unexpected roles or how you stay sharp, I guess. Sure, yeah, that's a great question. the question for anyone who didn't hear it was, how do you do it? How are you so great? Yeah, that was it. That was <laughs> it. Uh, just in case, and I don't have a great, no. Uh, I, uh, no, I, um, well, how do you stay sh- sharp and in inter- turn, well, you know, I try the best I can to, to not, um, to not, well, it's a weird combination, and I hope this answer makes sense, but, like how movies get made and how, you be, you know, how you're in them, it's very mysterious. You know, like you can have your eyes on one thing and then it never happens. And then, you know, so many movies are, it's very hard to get a movie made. And then some are happening, some are not happening. And you know, you're, you're, so you have to have this strange combination of like, um, like aggressiveness towards things and at, at the same time like a weird, like, let's see what happens attitude and you know so many things that I've, like, done. Actually, I didn't even know about them. Like sometimes even like just a f- like, in some cases like even days before they happen, they just like literally like weird. There are weird circumstances, and so I don't think too much. Like I try not to be like a career-minded. I really try to have like each experience be its own thing, and um, just go on what is happening with that movie, and what. I'm relating to about it and what I think I could bring to it Um, and at the end of the day like I said at first I'm not even thinking about the character I'm really just thinking about the movie like what is the movie Um, and is it something that seems like an interesting experience Um, and that's sort of what I follow first and um, in terms of staying sharp I don't know like I just I don't know if I ever was so I don't think about that I just try to like I think the only way to do anything is to be interested in other things. So, be interested in music and books and people, and hope that when you're working it, something makes sense, but I don't know. Hi. You're gonna get one.
0: My question is how long did it take to film and what were some of the challenges that you were faced with while filming?
2: Good question. How long did it take to film, a month? Uh, We had a couple weeks of rehearsal
0: and then, oops. Um, and then uh, three weeks of shooting, and then we had a day of, of pickups and reshoots. Um, challenges? Uh, uh,
2: forgot about that. The challenges? No, the reshoots. What was that? You weren't there. Okay. Yeah, that's why I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember
0: It'd
1: be more warming if you remembered it.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> you weren't there. Um, you really stumped me though, the challenges, I don't know, it's, you get so worked up about some of the logistical stuff that, but then when it's done and over, it seems a little silly that you got so worked up. Finding Larry is really a big part of what we did, and I, that took, I think, 11 days. Uh, and then once we found Larry, then the movie started to work. And. I know that you had told me that you were concerned that, that maybe you weren't going to find him. Uh, Jason said three days before we started shooting, he said, I don't, I have no idea who this guy is. Which
2: plays into your question sort of a little bit, like, wor- you know, worry about it, yeah, you know.
0: And I, my response was, you know, don't worry about it, you got it, we're going to, and... Um, Those were both valid, I think. My confidence that he was there and his confidence that he wasn't, I mean, they were both valid. Um, If he hadn't found the character, or if you hadn't found the character, everything would have been really challenging. Um, But once that kind of clicks in, a lot of other things fall into place, so.
1: Jason, I'm wondering um, what the difference for you is between acting with uh, an acting company, a you know, set of people you work with before, and an entirely new uh,
2: cast, and whether that's
1: something that's more comfortable or less for you.
2: Oh, it's a good question. Um, acting with people that you've worked with before, well, I, um, well, I think anytime you can work with people that you've worked with before, it's great because, um, at least for me, it's great because so much of the um, beginning of any process is a kind of nervousness and like an apprehensive tendency to be judged. Especially like acting, you know, all these people are standing there and then you walk out in front of these cameras and it's everyone's like quiet on the set. It's like, and it becomes like everyone just like watching and it's really, it's really, for me, like frightening. And there's so, and you know, you working in it can be terrible at times, like just terrible. And it's nice when you've worked with someone who's seen you be so bad that there's nothing to really be afraid of anymore because you've essentially died in front of them, you know what I mean, out there. And once you can get that over with, it's like you can get to the work more quickly. So sometimes when you've worked with people repeatedly, you can actually, like, there's, it's, it, you're more comfortable on one hand because you can get to the work more quickly. And then on the other hand, it's more intense because you also know like when, when you can go farther with the work.
0: Hello. Um, so I don't want to take it away from the movie. That's why I'm glad I'm not the last question. But Jason, I wanted to know if you were going to work on anything new with Coconut Records.
2: Oh, um, That's Coconut Records is the name of a, is the moniker that I make music under. And every day I try to write music. It's been a while since it was every day, but usually I like to make music every day. But, um, and just like demoing music or playing music and writing music, even, even if it's terrible, the best thing is just to always be like doing some, you know, doing it and doing it and doing it, and I haven't. But um, basically I just right now have stockpiled a lot of music and um, I just need to write, wait for the perfect time to go try to record it but there's a lot of music it just has to be made recorded now
1: we should also mention that uh, Jason is very busy with uh, Mozart in the jungle which he's yeah. a creator and writer on yep. and entering its second season on, yep. on Amazon thank so you yeah that's so check what we that right now
2: yeah. so it's very fun yeah check that out it's really good yeah that's what I have to say too um, well with regard to your question the question about music I was going to ask you since some of your characters are often pretty alienated or disconnected, does music help you get reconnected and do you find with doing music it sort of draws you into yourself and you find something else about yourself that you don't find in doing playing a character that's you know exemplifies like Larry or sure some uh, of your other characters Yeah uh, yeah um, that's a good question Well, I think you know all the Art and music and movies—it's that's one of the greatest things about it—is watching it and feeling a, you know, feeling like uh, someone has spoken for you in a way, like you know, or has said something that you couldn't express. And music, especially, is such an odd thing because it's not like what is it? You know, it's not a language. It's a, it is a language, but it's 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 so ephemeral, and um, it just kind of comes out of the air. And so when someone plays chords or does something thing in a way and it really like can really move you and i think it can like realign you in a way and i know for sure like sometimes if i'm having a bad day um, very simple things like putting on songs that i love will really change my just happened the other day um, i was having a bad day and I listened to some music and the whole thing was the whole day was better a barracuda by john cale um, that song made me feel instantly. Well, not instantly better, but it started the U-turn uh, out of there.
1: Uh, congratulations on thanks. Seven Chinese Brothers, guys! Seek it out, spread the word. It's a small film, yeah. but it deserves your love.
2: Truly, thank you so much. Um, yeah. And thank you for doing this, man. Great. Great. great, great, great. Thanks, thanks for the right questions. great question. Thank you. Thank you.